cut off the arms, cut off the head, cut off the legs, and welcome to the Ringing Ear Podcast, the show about music hosted by two former record store clerks, brought to you by the one and only KillBoringMusic.com. My name is Jeff Nail. I'm a freelance writer and senior critic at Killboring Music. With me, as always, is photographer, editor-in-chief at KillboringMusic.com, the Steve Albini to my David Yao, Kenneth Job, a.k.a. Joby. A special treat today, returning to the Ringing Ear podcast once again, is our good friend from bands like Real Big Fish and the Cineramas, coming to us remotely from deep in the black heart of Orange County, California, once again, our favorite trumpetist, <laughs> Tavis Wurtz. The three of us share the aim, as we do every week, to act as your guides through all genres familiar or foreign, new or nostalgic, in order to help you, the listener, avoid boring music. Because, Kenneth Job, what do we do with boring music? We send it to live in Kansas in late July. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Tavis Words, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I think we're, well, I think we're doing better than Ken. Yeah. I'm doing fine. It was a joke. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a crack about Steve Albini, but then you like basically called me Steve Albini. And I was like, well, now it sounds weird if I make a joke. I was going to say we <laughs> ship boring music to Chicago to cut a record with Steve Albini. And then I was like, well, okay, that's not going to work now. Uh, you should have just stuck to the plan. Oh, well. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to episode 225, in which we'll dive into a genre of rock music affectionately known to its fan as pig fuck. But before we do that... Uh, Tavis, I want to start with you, if you don't mind. I ha- think we actually owe you a thanks, because I think one of our, if not the most popular episode we've had in terms of download numbers is your interview with Real Big Fish. And then not too far off from that is the, our jazz episodes. You've become a, a real <laughs> rabbit's foot for us here. Um, did, thanks for sharing that far and wide. Is that what you did? Yeah, I'm, I'm good at spamming the hell out of my friends and family. So uh, I pushed for for everyone to listen to it but uh hopefully it's a good response and people are liking it yeah i think uh i think they like having you job should we jump right in or do you have any any tales to tell us any tornadoes stepson tales um what's that ferret oh ferret ferret i was gonna say what's that rodent any any stories of the ferret what have you got for us today nope just heat just heat how hot is it uh, well, uh, with the, the humidity factored in, the heat index is about 108. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and it's really, really windy. So when you step outside, it just feels like you're standing in front of the world's largest hairdryer. Oh. Now, doesn't that feel a little bit better than stagnance? You know what I mean? Like with the humidity, the way it nah, usually is? Not really, no. It's, no, <laughs> it's not any better. Also, I think did I, I'm not positive here because I, I my memory has gotten so bad. But I thought that the the term we had coined for Tavis was hornist. Or is that? <laughs> oh, that's right. Because a, a group right. of them is a nest. That's right. I forgot all about the it. Horn well, section is called the hornist nest. <laughs> um, let's see. Today we're tackling pig fuck music. Did you guys know it was called that? I did not. I did not. Really? I hope I'm not just pulling that out of my armpit or something but i'm almost positive i've heard that about a hundred times i think that's really appropriate for noise rock do you not i guess i see where they're coming from it's fine it's fine (laughs) uh well where should we start here joby do you want to start with your assignment yeah sure let's let's get this giant turd out of the way uh, oh, so boy. I was assigned the uh, album New Wave by Against Me. I, and I am curious, um, 
only a little curious, but what, why did you assign this particular album to me of all the albums you could have picked from Against Me? It was my favorite record that year, actually, 2007. It was, it's, um, I think I, I, oh, you know what? Actually, we should ap- apologize to Tavis because he hasn't heard our, our, the episode in which this happened. So, Tavis, do you, are you familiar with Against Me? Do you have thoughts on that band at all? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I know of them. Um, they've never really been on my radar. Uh, I was given a hint that they would be the, the assignment. And so I did listen to them. And my okay. uh, opinion kind of stays a strong meh. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I, I actually haven't listened to it in a while, but I, I really liked it. And I think I liked it more when I found out that it, you know, some somehow it's, <laughs> I find things more interesting when I find out a certain, uh, you know, type of person is really angry about it. The punk rock community was really unhappy with with against me for making this really accessible melodic record as opposed to what they had normally done, which is a little more, a little more hard edged. Um, Joby, you didn't, uh, you didn't appreciate this from what it sounds like. No, I, I uh, like, like Tavis, I, I knew of them. I've heard of them. Of course, I read a little bit about the making of the record and, and the reception of the record. And it was really interesting because fans seem to pretty much refer to it as the sellout record. Uh, and yet it still got a lot of love. Spin named it record of the year uh, when it came out. Yeah. But yeah, for me, this is this is like the worst case scenario why no one ever wants their favorite punk band assigned to a major label. <laughs> really? It, it was just overproduced, bland, flat as the Kansas Plains. I mean, just <laughs> nothing, nothing to this at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't hate it. It's not bad enough to hate. It's just really kind of, I don't know. I mean, Butch Vig produced it. Oh, did he? I don't know if it's his fault. You know, I don't know. I don't know where the blame should go exactly. Uh, there, there's a, I don't know, a handful, maybe three, four songs that I thought were okay. Uh, you know, good enough. Yeah, it just did not do a lot for me at all. I, I like the singer's voice. The voice, it's, it's interesting because the voice actually seemed like it had more emotion than the band like there was some kind of weird disconnect like i i don't know what if everything was just too polished i i don't really know enough about the recording process to know what what really happened there but i am yeah. curious to hear some of their older stuff now because you know they, there's there's something there you know there's something about you know the the good songs that i can tell they at, at one point were probably a lot better than that record would show me you know the, their first record. I can't remember what it was called now. It, it was uh, oh, it was called Reinventing Axl Rose. I actually hate that album, and uh, you know the your your hardcore gutter punks love it because it <laughs> sounds like shit. I think, um, but I, I tend to go more toward the accessible route for some reason. I don't think they've done a, a very good record since this one. And I guess if you're asking Ken Job <laughs> since before this one, <laughs> um, but the singer is formerly known as Tom Gable. Uh, but he, I think right around 2012, came out as a trans woman, and he now goes by Laura Jane Grace. I believe he still sings in the same timbre, though, so he doesn't sound any, she doesn't sound any different. Well, and I believe the album Closer, I think, is, is the album Closer the Ocean on this album? Yes, yeah. That's kind of like the, it, I, from what I read in an interview with her, it wasn't intended, but it was sort of like her coming out song where she kind of realized what was, you know what was ahead of her yeah it was it, it was um hardly apocryphal it, yeah it, it it's funny because i i've read that where she said oh no i didn't mean any of that and it's like come on yeah <laughs> subliminally there was there's something 
Uh, Tavis, did you, you said you got to listen to this a little bit. Do you agree with Ken Job's assessment? Yeah, I think um, I also I really wanted to like it. Um, I kind of wrote him off early on because it was you know sort of guilt by association. The people I knew who were into him were into stuff that I wasn't into. Uh huh. So I never really gave him much of a chance. And actually, you know, after. Laura came out as a trans woman. I kind of went back to him and, you know, like, I should give him a chance. I, I like the inclusion in the punk community or the, you know, the idea that there should be some inclusion. And so I went back and really listened more to, uh, is it gender dysmorphia blues or the, the one that came out in, I think, 2014. And the yeah. drummer on that is Adam Willard, who used to be in Rocket from the Crypt. And so, you know, I know the bass player, I think, was an international noise conspiracy. So I really wanted to like it. And it just doesn't, do much for me. I, there's something about it that just okay. feels like it's missing. I uh, I actually did get a chance to shoot them a couple years ago, and they were pretty good live. It's it would be hard to argue that they're not, but I guess we'll just have to disagree or agree to disagree on this, fellas. Ken, did you did you uh, want to play a song? Uh, sure. I, the the song that that really stood out for me. I mean, just head and shoulders above every other song. It actually, ticks off uh, two boxes for us because. It's the opening track and it's the title track. Uh, I thought the song New Wave, uh, even through all the gloss and polish and, and everything, you could still see the bones of what's just a really, really good pop punk song. If it was just a little rougher around the edges, I think it would be almost perfect. I would like to see a live version of it on, on YouTube or something or hear an alternate version. have uh, a, a noise rock centric uh current for us could tell us about action s yeah so they're a band from seattle um i found out about them they were they came up on my like apple music new recommendations and i find that most of the stuff that comes up there are either no or uh i'm not that into but this one really surprised me they call themselves post horncore uh <laughs> And they are essentially a kind of a hardcore band, but with a horn section that plays kind of goes between, I would say, you know, lead guitar and, and rhythm guitar parts. Um, but it gives it a really interesting sound. The singer is great. I hear a little bit of kind of Rick Froberg in in his delivery. Uh -huh. um, I think they're now a five piece, although most of the videos and uh, interviews I found with them, they were a four piece. I think they added a permanent trombone player before the there was a guy who played both sax and trombone depending on the song but they just they've got a ton of energy um the the album called 
Deep Bright Below that came out this year. Really good production. Uh, is currently available either as a CD or cassette, which I'm not particularly happy about as a vinyl collector. I'm hoping they put it out on vinyl soon. <laughs> um, yeah. Until then, I will continue to stream it. But I just, I, you know, like I said, they've got a really great singer. They've got a ton of energy, and I'm just a sucker for kind of riff-driven driving rock and roll, which is what I think they are. Yeah, the the song is self-subterfuge, right? Yeah, I think that's what I chose. Although really that, everything yeah. on the album I think is really good. It's on brand for me. I'm I'm a sucker for a band with horns. <laughs> yeah. It's a garagey, it's horny. <laughs> <laughs> and I find the drums to be kind of a standout here. They're unrelenting. Yeah. Joby, you got a, you got thoughts on Action S? Yeah, I dug it. I I I love the singer. I, I love his voice. It sounds like just just venom coming out of his <laughs> mouth, man. He just I love the just rasp and the gruff tone of his voice. He sounds really pissed off. I like the horns, and yet I I have a question about the horns, and I'm hoping uh, maybe Tavis can can tell me if I'm just crazy, which I mean, well, I am, but I mean, if I, if I'm onto something here with this <laughs> song or not, um, I like the horns because it, it makes it just sound different. I mean, as soon as I put this on, I, I thought, well, this is not like anything I've heard in, in a long time. And I, you know, anytime I think that that's a good thing, but the thing about the horns, they sounded almost, almost sad, like lethargic. Like usually when I hear horns in a song, it really just punches the the energy up and brightens the song up these almost sounded like sad horns <laughs> uh, hmm. it, it, do you have any idea what i'm ta- trying to say because I'm, I'm a total layman so i don't know if i'm really explaining what i mean but it just sounded so like wah, 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 like almost like the sad trombone kind of thing <laughs> i i don't really get that um i i'm not sure what you're hearing there I, they are not as i mean they tend to be a little lower in the mix they're not playing kind of a you know sort of the typical sky like corn line on top of everything they're definitely playing kind of right there in the band but i agree that well today i was actually listening to them and and trying to ask myself like if they didn't have horns would i still be into them and i think i would i think i'd still like them but i agree that that the horns just add that sound and that timber that kind of sets them apart and again puts them right in my wheelhouse um, but I'm not sure. I don't get the sadness that you do. Okay. All right. Well, you know, Joby, I'm, it might be the production because I actually have written down here. They have an anthrax-like guitar rhythm sound, and I, I'm, that's a bad thing. It, it feels kind of dull. So hmm. maybe, maybe is it sort of a dulled sense, sense that you get off the horns? 
Um, sort of, yeah. It's just like there's no, you know, like I said, usually whenever I hear horns, it's just like a punch. Like they just smack right. you right in the face. And, and yeah. this is, you know, more, I, maybe it's just intentional. You know, it's just kind of layered in there a little more. Interwoven, uh, but, sure. But I, I did wonder live between the singer's energy and the horns, they must just blow the roof off of every venue they play. You ever seen them, Tavis? Where are they from? No, unfortunately, they're they're from Seattle. Um, they don't seem to tour a whole lot. They're pretty young. They've only got um, this is their first full length. They had a an EP in 2016, but I did find some videos of them online, um, and they do seem to have great energy live. You know, they they look like they're all probably early to mid 20s, so they should have energy, <laughs> and they do. Um, oh, just like us. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my choice, I've been sitting on for about a month or two. Um, it's perfect for today, though, which is why I hung on to it. It's a band called The Exhalants, and I've never heard of this band. And the more I looked into them, the more I felt sort of like like I've been missing out. Not just because they're great, but because they're they're not exactly brand new. Uh, I mean, they're not you know they're not veterans or anything either, but. I, I heard about him, Joey, because Joe Gross tweeted them, like live footage of them. I don't know where exactly. I'm not really sure where Joe lives. But I was immediately taken by their sound. Uh, they are an Austin band. Guitar vo- guitarist, vocalist Steve Pike, bassist Bill Indelicato, and drummer Thomas Rabone. Uh, here we are again with the with the trio. You know, I, I think that's sort of our, that's on brand for me and Ken. I think we both really <laughs> like uh, a power trio, and this sort of exemplifies what I love about noise rock: is that you need more than noise. You know, this song that I'm going to play, it's called Ego Death, and uh, it's just laced with all kinds of wonderful anxiety and discomfort even, you know, but, but along with that, there are these hooks that, that you just can't ignore. Uh, did you guys enjoy listening to ego death by exhalance? I actually, um, it took a little while for, for it to grow on me. The first time I listened to it, I wasn't super into it. Um, just didn't really do much for me. Uh, and then I went back and listened again. And each time I listen, I kind of, I like it more. I'm not sure why that is, but I, I hear kind of, and hmm. This may be why you like them. I hear a bit of a drive like Jehu influence there. Also, like a like a Chicago DC, you know, like in terms of the noise rock pantheon, there is that vibe, that Chicago DC thing. Uh, I, there's even like hints of Nation of Ulysses type noise, and mixed with like what I've been referring in my head, like in in my mind, it's Chris Spencer from Unsane singing this. Hmm. Not that it's an exact match, but I just get hints of that in the in in. Um, Steve Pike's voice. Yeah, um, I'd have to listen to it again, but uh, but I could see that. Joby, how about you? Joby, how much did you hate this? <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty much just reserving judgment. I only got the chance to hear it uh, maybe two or three times, and I, I thought it was just okay, but uh, okay. I would have preferred to listen to it a lot more, especially now that I hear Tavis saying he kind of had a kind of a lukewarm reaction, too. Mm. So it's one of those that I say I'm going to follow up on and probably won't. Because <laughs> that's what we always do. Yeah, there's there's that energy we were just talking about, right? <laughs>
The Elephant in the Room is a thought-provoking, musically-related topic, and The Elephant in the Room this week is the subgenre of noise rock. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure there's another genre that feels more personal to me. I definitely have. Uh, uh, there's you know a lot of noise rock in my collection. Uh, it was funny, I was talking to my brother leading up to the episode and sort of talking about what I was picking, um, and gave him a couple of my picks, and he said, you know, you and I have very different ideas of what noise is, <laughs> which, oh. you know, kind of... I think it's it. There's kind of a huge jump between sort of your your typical noise rock band and then just straight up noise, which I also listen to a bit of, mm-hmm. um, which made it a little tough to pick songs because you know, kind of where do I stand? You know, do I go straight up noise or do I stick more with the noise influenced rock? And so I kind of went more with the you know leaning on the rock and and not so much the noise. For most of my picks. Yeah, but, um, same. Noise Rock has its roots in the 60s. Uh, at least that's what, what some people have asserted. I, I'm not a big fan of the Velvet Underground, but they're commonly noted. Uh, and then there's, you know, Glenn Branca, Sonic Youth. And then there's, you know, there's stuff like Butthole Surfers, Jesus Lizard, and uh, Big Black and Helmet and Unsane. And that's, those are sort of, I was, I wrote those down because I was like, well, what are the most popular noise rock bands? And, and that's pretty much what I came up with was Butthole Surfers, Jesus Lizard, Flipper, Swans, Big Black Helmet, and Unsane. Uh, anyone else deserve to be mentioned in terms of the top of the historical heap of noise rock? That definitely seems like a pretty good, um, well, I'd, I'd maybe throw Shellac in there. They're definitely one that, I don't know popular wise if they're as big, but you know, I, with Steve Albini in there, they're definitely kind of a cornerstone of the yeah. genre. Um, I find it, you know, it's it's an interesting genre because it's, you know, it's like art. Like, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but I know it when I hear it. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I was trying to figure out like a definition of noise rock, and it's a tough one to do. It is. Yeah, I, I have a, a collection of synonyms I can I can offer, but yeah, in terms of a definition, it's tough. I mean, it's experimental commonly. It's loud. It's grimy. It's violent irreverent, tongue-in-cheek, droning, textured, atonal, dense. And of course, you know, you could go to any noise rock band or album or song, and it might be one of those things and none of the others. So it's difficult to pin down. Joby, you you sort of come to us, not a complete newbie to noise rock, but you're sort of the least in love with it out of the three of us, right? Oh, contrary. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a lifelong fan of pig fuck. Always have been. Always will be. No. Um, <laughs> see, the thing about noise rock, though, I didn't I, I didn't realize how broad a brush people painted. You know, like I, it covers yeah. a lot. And I didn't you know, I thought of kind of the bands you were mentioning. When I think noise rock, I think like Sonic Youth and and bands like that. And that was never really my thing. And then, you know, I, I loved Helmet. Uh, they were one of my favorites. And I didn't know they were considered noise rock. I just thought they were some kind of, you know, like alternative metal or some weird, you know, subgenre. <laughs> um, but it turns out there's a that that's a big umbrella that a lot of things it fit is. under. And so, yeah. you know, I actually like a lot more noise rock than I realized I did. It wasn't really until we started doing the show. Uh, I think the first one, <laughs> as, as Alistair just snorts like a fucking pig. Um, <laughs> I think one of the first ones you assigned me was probably the Horrors album. Uh, what, I oh no, it wasn't an assignment. I think that was just a thing. I think that was just a current because that oh. that that song title was so funny. Remember it? God, you guys in your fucking memory, man. How do you do it? <laughs> um, the song, yeah. Was, uh, I, I think the song was uh, "I See You're Also Wearing a Black T-shirt." Yeah, or something like that. 
So between you know hearing that and then hearing Ken mode and stuff like that, I was like, well, this is noise rock. This isn't what I was thinking was noise rock. This yeah. is actually pretty good. So, it, and then you know like when we were or when you I should say posted the the question to the the group on Facebook, the noise rock you know group. People were throwing out bands I never would have even thought of as noise rock, like Slater Kenny and stuff like that. I, I, wow. Okay. Yeah. So basically, if if you don't know how to classify it, just call it noise rock, and everyone will probably go, "Okay, sure, <laughs> that's noise rock." Seems fair. Yeah. I, the thing, it is a pretty broad brush, like you said. But Thurston Moore said in 2004, "Noise has taken the place of punk rock." People who play noise have no real aspirations to being a part of a mainstream culture. Punk has been appropriated and noise has replaced it. And I don't know how true that was in 2004 or even how true it is today, but I like the way it sounds. You know what I mean? I think there's something to that. I don't know if it's 100% true, but there's definitely something to that. And that'll especially kind of touch. I'll touch on that with my number one. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that that kind of rings true to me as well, that, you know, it's the... If you're playing noise rock, you're not going to get on pop radio. So <laughs> it's a good way to put yourself outside of the mainstream. Now, a lot of people, when they think, and this is evidenced on that post you were talking about, I, we should give a shout out to Noise Rock Now. I'm, 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 Tavis, are you a member of that Facebook group? I'm not. I uh, saw it because you posted to it, and I, um, I think you tagged me, and so okay. I went and looked through the... Um, the thread and yeah a lot of those bands I was like oh yeah I wouldn't have thought of them as noise rock but I do like them yeah and and I find a lot of people in that group and they're talking about don't get me wrong it's a pretty good group but a lot of people do the thing where they go well what's the noisiest not what not what is the best noise rock what's the noisiest fucking thing I can say is good (laughs) and (laughs) and that's where they lose me actually if it's just unrepentant you know noise with with no real structure or even if there is structure it's not you know it's sort of difficult to get my head around uh i think this is the reason why i never got into glenn bronca uh, because he's i know you're going to touch on him later tavis but but it's 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 maybe that's not a very good example but you have to admit there are bands and, and artists within the genre that are a lot more they're more noise than music is that fair or does that make me sound like an old asshole no i think that's that's definitely true i mean one of the the um one of my also rands was going to be mersbau who is a japanese artist or actually he might be american but is famous anyway doesn't matter um yeah. most of what he does is like tune static and just straight up noise and i don't know that i enjoy listening to it but i have definitely listened to it <laughs> on purpose I have here ta- uh, the question I want to ask you, Tavis, just because I'm happy about one part of it. Are you predisposed to digging noise since you play a horn? And I've spelled horn with a W in honor of the cows. Uh, <laughs> do you think Do you think that predisposed you to enjoying certain parts of the fabric of noise rock? I don't know. Maybe. Um, you know, the, the nice thing about noise is there's always a place for any instrument you want to throw in there. But I would say that most horn players are not into the the super noisy, you know, liking stuff that other people don't and, and finding some weird pleasure in that. I think that that speaks more to my uh, panache for noise than than playing a horn. Uh, Joe, how did you go about choosing your songs this week? Well, what I decided to do, I had a feeling that really anything I went with uh, as far as like kind of the older 
you know, groups I thought might be a retread or I was afraid of duplicating. Uh, so to narrow things down and make it a little easier on myself, I decided to go with newer bands. Uh, so all three of mine are bands that have put something out in the last year. Uh, two of them are from this year, one's from 2018, and they're bands that are out, you know, touring now. They're all still together, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, just kind of went the younger route. As far as the quality of the material, it just kind of kind of depended a little bit. I, I didn't want three bands that sounded the same, which uh, could have easily happened with some of my also rands. Um, but I wanted, like you said, there's the quality of noise. It depends how they get their noise, if they come by it honestly. Like <laughs> some of the stuff I listened uh -huh. to, it just sounded like a decent song by, by a decent band that just threw a bunch of effects on it to make it as abrasive as they could. And to me, that's just kind of lazy. That's cheating. So okay. it just, you know, just kind of depended on how they got to, got to their noise level. So Joby's sticking to current day noise rock. How about you, Tavis? Uh, I went kind of a range. Um, I think the oldest of mine is 92. The newest is uh, 2015, but still an active band. And I went, you know, not necessarily my favorite bands, but bands I think that are worth listening to that there's a decent chance a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, so I kind of went, tried to get on the fringe a little. And then also just kind of tried to, you know, like I said, most of my picks are, are heavy on the rock and not as much on the noise. And then one of my picks is definitely heavy on the noise. And as usual, just a quick disclaimer, not as usual, I don't normally do this, but I do want to say this is not meant to be an objective list. We're not actually saying these are the best noise rock songs ever, but more of a, you know, like Joby and I usually do. These are just our three favorites in this case, especially when you're tackling an entire genre. The idea that anyone would have, you know, some uh, manufactured authority, <laughs> like, no, this is the best. Uh, matter of fact, I found it pretty hard, pretty hard to narrow down, actually. But let's jump in. Joe, why don't you start us off? I am starting with a band out of Brazil. Lovely, beautiful Brazil, where I would never want to visit. Have you ever noticed all the hidden, like the, or not hidden camera, but the uh, like the closed circuit camera videos of people getting murdered? They're always from Brazil. Oh, um, probably yeah, not, because yeah. I'm probably the only one who watches those. <laughs> but still, um, these guys are from Sao Paulo. They moved there. Uh, they all are from Brazil, but moved to Sao Paulo to uh, kind of concentrate on their their band. They're called Deaf Kids, which I think is great because <laughs> uh, they, they kind of play music that makes you think maybe they are deaf. I don't know. Um, they're a three piece, I think. They've been around about eight years. They've put out a, a quite a number of releases, but only three full lengths. Uh, and their newest one. No, that's the other one you're thinking of. That, no, he's trying to contradict me. I hate it when he does this. Um, it's smart ass. Their, their album. See, dude. Okay, so their album. Uh, see, they give themselves an English name, but everything on the album is in Portuguese. So it, it uh -huh. makes it kind of rough. The album is called shit i'm gonna try it meta programma cow that's my best guess I, I i don't think i'll get slaughtered by any yeah, resilience I think, I, for i think the last syllable is like an s sound a sow other than that i think he nailed it okay well 
this is a, a really weird freaking album and it, it was hard to pick a song i wanted to put these people on the show because it is one of the weirdest things i've heard in a long time it's it, it's almost too weird for me but the thing i really appreciated about it is that it's meant to me anyway it's meant to be taken as an entire piece it was hard to just find a song to play yeah. because this is something that really needs to be listened to from from beginning to end in one sitting because it just seamlessly kind of goes like it's hard to tell where songs end and begin it's really a weird freaking album uh, it's heavy on vocal effects it's heavy on just ambient noise it, it's really weird the song i've chosen is called mente Camaral, hopefully maybe mm -hmm. And that's one of only about two or three what I would call conventional songs. Like if you heard some of the other tracks, I don't know if, you, if either of you listened to any uh, anything else from, on this album, but some of it, no. I mean, it's literally just like the opening track is, is two minutes and 40 seconds of just kind of vocal chants and, and things. There's no instruments. It, it's really weird, but it, I found it really intriguing. So I, I listened to the whole thing a few times. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, one part ministry, one part sepultura. Yeah, yeah, I definitely heard a ministry influence in there heavily. It just doesn't go anywhere. This is this is your one pick this week that I don't really like, Job, because it it doesn't do much. Uh, but what what you were saying about it being part of a larger piece that actually kind of makes sense. That this is really just one of the movements as opposed mm -hmm. to one of the songs. Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. What He's mentioning mentioning ministry. Even though I, I I wasn't a huge fan of Ministry's last album, I felt the same way about that. Like there were songs on it that were okay, but I enjoyed listening to the whole thing as one piece more than any certain song because they just kind of all it, it, the way it worked, they all kind of bled together where it was just this one huge piece, I guess you could call it, uh -huh. like a, almost like an art piece. Like you just have to take the whole thing in, and that's that's what this is like. It's really weird, <laughs> but I mean that in in a good way. Tavis, how did you take this in? Yeah, um, I had listened to, to just the, the song that, that Joby said he was going to pick, and maybe a song or two after that. It didn't do a lot for me. It didn't really feel like it was going anywhere, but I'll, I'd, I'll have to listen to it again as kind of a full album and, and see if I can pay a little more attention to it. But but yeah, first on first glance, it was just kind of meh. It, it wasn't bad, but I just felt like it needed something to make it, to set it apart. Or, or to complete it. I feel like it. I needed something to, to put, make it all a yeah, like one thing. Um, Job, I kind of feel this way about this song. I kind of feel the way about this song that you felt about my yeah yeah yeah's pick last week, where you say it's kind of a tease. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, it just builds and builds and never pays off. Yeah, like Ooh. I, I kind of wanted some some explosion or some chorus or something at the end of this, and I didn't get it. So, 
Um, yeah. But I, I could see why you would be attracted to this, though. I really do. I feel like the the tease without any payoff is definitely intentional because this this entire <laughs> album is just really just kind of unsettling. It, it's really just it uh, seems okay. almost like it would be like good, a good Halloween music or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you yeah. did you get any uh, did you get any Mike Calvillo vibes off those vocals? Because I I definitely did. Oh yeah, a little bit, sure. Because he was so deep into the the effects and the the kind of underwater sounding vocal effect. Yeah, definitely made me think of him. Every time he comes up, I want to do this, and I always forget to. Michael Calvillo's are. I think I've done it a few times, but we're we're speaking of Joby and I. Uh, the only reason we know each other is because of this friend who who actually died uh, about seven years ago now. Geez, can you believe that, Job? It it. Honestly, it, it seems like longer ago because it hurt so bad. <laughs> Honestly. You know, he died on my birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. That? Yeah. Okay, way to yeah, one-up never... me then. I guess it's worse for you. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, on that on that sunny note, <laughs> Tavis, uh, <laughs> why, don't I, why don't we move on to Mets? <laughs> All right. So my first pick um, is a band from Toronto, Canada. I found out about them in 2016 when they did a uh, 7-inch with John Reese, who is the member of three of my favorite bands. He's the singer in Hot Snakes, Drive Like Jehu, and Rock from the Crypt. So when I saw that he was doing a record with this band, I picked up a copy of the 7-inch, and from there kind of went back into their catalog to check out what they were about. So they're called Mets. Uh, Like I said, they are from Toronto. Really good. This is M-E-T-Z, in case, yeah. in case people never heard of them. Yeah, M-E-T-Z. They are, I believe they're a four-piece. I could be wrong. But yeah, they're they're really good, noisy, kind of driving rock band. The song I picked is Nervous System from their 2015 album called Two. It was their second album. They went on in 2017 to put out an album called Strange Peace with, uh, that was produced by Steve Albini. And then actually just mm-hmm. came out with a new album uh, called Automat this year, which I think is actually just a compilation of their old seven inches. So not actually new material. But uh, yeah, as far as noise rock goes, I think, you know, this is sort of, to me, kind of the the best example of, of what I would consider just sort of a, a noise rock band. They're they're noisy, they're chaotic, they're angry, they've got a lot going on, and, and but also just, you know, they're, they're a good, fun rock band. Uh, they appear to be a trio, by the way. Oh, all right. They are a trio. <laughs> so you should like them. I would not have guessed that, actually, from the way they sound. Uh, yeah, this is unrelenting and, and sort of what I was getting at with the exhalants, where it's like high anxiety, like they're like they're trying to make you uncomfortable. I feel like, like we've got a trend going already with these picks because Deaf Kids, Mets, Exhalants, they're all kind of doing, at least to me, they're all, they're all kind of making my stomach turn in a good way, you know? <laughs> I think that's kind of the, that's what Noise Rock does. I liked this song a lot, and I, I mean, what I mean is I liked the the song, 
But this is a, a little of what I was talking about. It seems like there's just kind of a layer of something added onto it to make it noisy. I don't know if it's something that, that's done in the studio. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I hear a good yeah. song there and I, I like it, but it, it seems almost like it's noisy for the sake of being noisy. And I don't know if that's just, you know, me, like what I'm hearing. I don't know if their other stuff sounds the same as this. I didn't listen to any other songs really or anything. Well, you know, I've tried with Mets a number of times and i like sort of like you're saying joby i like them but i don't love them they don't they don't really get into my loins the way i want them to wow that sounds really <laughs> weird now i say it out loud i get the faintest hint of faith no more off of that song huh either you guys hear that not really but i was never a huge faith no more fan other than mike Patton. i i don't <laughs> well that figures <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep trying with them because people really do love them. And I, and it's one of those things where, again, where I go, they're seeing something I haven't seen yet. And I'm going to keep looking Mets nervous system. I'm going to kick mine off the only way I think it should be kicked off with a little goddamn Jesus lizard. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and I know that Joby likes Jesus lizard, right, Job? Yeah, I had to, uh, I had to kind of rack my brain a little bit because, you know, um, my my twenties are a little hazy, uh, but I was pretty sure I had seen them live, and I had to. I actually had to go online, which I think it's amazing. You can go online to like refresh your memory about stuff like that. And I did yeah. see them live. It was either ninety three or ninety four. They toured with Helmet briefly, and I saw them at the Palladium in Hollywood. Did you hang on to any impression of how they were? Uh, what I remember, honestly, I mean, this was when I was at my peak helmet fanboy phase, and I don't uh-huh. think I really knew much about Jesus Lizard. I remember thinking they were pretty good, but they were not heavy enough. That was my impression, yeah. at, you know, when I was like in my 20s there. They they don't necessarily, they're not a distorted guitar kind of band. I mean, not to say they're yeah. completely clean, but yeah, they're wiry. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. bulky. Um, founded in the eighties in Austin, but really they're a Chicago band because that's where they would relocate and really blow up. The G's lizard were always mentioned in in the same breath as bands like Melvin's and Nirvana when we were younger. And so they were all, I feel like they were always on my consciousness, but I don't think I got into them until 96 when shot came out. And then I sort of worked backwards and I'm, I've got a song for you today off of goat, which I believe was 91, their second record, David singer, David Yao and guitarist, David Sims. Oh wait, no, Dwayne Dennison is a guitarist, isn't he? Uh, David Yao and David Sims are from scratch acid and Dwayne Dennison. I'm not sure what was doing at the time when they got together. Uh, but their band name is the nickname for the reptile, the basilisk who can run on water. And that's one of those things that I, <laughs> I knew the answer, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember. And I looked it up and I went, Oh yeah, of course the Jesus lizard. Um, I always sort of thought that felt kind of irreverent to name your band, Jesus, anything. I don't know. Maybe I was projecting. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's probably the point. It, it might've been. Yeah. Uh, they signed against all, well, it, it was the nineties. So, you know, you could get a big label contract no matter what kind of band you were in. Uh, they signed to Capitol in 1995, and they, like I said, they put out Shot around 96, and they had that, I think they had that deal for two records, and Pitchfork actually called, I think people, of course, in typical fashion, they, they like their early stuff better, like, like the sophomore album I'm going to play for you today, uh, off of Touch and Go. Uh, Pitchfork actually called Goat the 38th best album of the entire decade. 
Wow. Uh, and it does have some pretty good songs on there. Mouth Breather and Monkey Trick. Uh, but the one I want to play is called Nub because it has this wonderful slide guitar and these pitch perfect beats. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of everything Jesus Lizard is to me. It's dirty and uncomfortable, and but it still sticks to a basic rock structure, you know. Tavis, you got thoughts on Jesus Lizard? Yeah, I like them. I, I was never a huge fan of theirs. You know, I never, um, they were kind of always on the periphery for me, but I've always liked them. Um, I saw them live uh fairly recently within the last year i think and uh david yeah i'm sorry wait could you repeat that you saw him live recently yeah i saw him live um i think it was within the last year year and a half yeah they just got back together not too long ago yeah and i believe david yao is now sober uh so does not get quite as naked on stage as he used to <laughs> yeah but they were they were still a, a great show you know that just a ton of crazy wildness going on on stage. And if you claim to like noise, you can't not like the Jesus Lizard. I agree. And yeah, was flawless on this record. It, the lyrics too are especially fun. The, on this song, it there's lyrics like, so since the surgery, how's that ghost limb? And then later on, he's saying, oh, rub it on me, rub it on me, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Lizard has not aged poorly. Uh, I think I think actually they're quite listenable uh, still today. Even the oldest stuff is still quite good. Yeah, I would agree with that. They definitely aged. They aged well. Aged gracefully, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know if they'd like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I was going back looking through those tour archives to try and see if I was crazy or if I had actually seen them, uh, they have played with just a plethora of bands. It looked like they had you know, tons of, you know, two and three week runs with bands and then they would change, you know, line, like they were just constantly on different bands lineups all the time. Yeah. So they're yeah. one of those bands you could have just caught without even planning on it. You know, you can tell that the, the record label really wanted them to be like, Oh, this band is loud and weird. So they're, they're our Nirvana. And they really, really tried a little too late, I think. But uh, it, it, I think to anyone who was really paying attention, it was no surprise that, you know, Jesus Lizard cassettes weren't flying off the shelf. Uh, not because not they're bad, but because they're not, they're not exactly FM fodder, are they? No, definitely not. Well, let's jump into our number twos, Job. Uh, my number two, I'm staying international, going with a London-based band. Well, although you wouldn't know it from their name because they're called USA Nails. Not to be confused with the band Nails from the USA. Uh, and don't Google USA Nails because you will get about three dozen hair salons that come up first. 
Uh, yes. prob- yes. Probably uh, all owned by non-Americans, to be honest. But this is their fourth album called Life Cinema. came out this year, uh, I think in May. And man, this one, I wasn't ready for this one. This is a really good record. It's really noisy, but there's... There's a, 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 a disarming amount of melody throughout it. It just they just kind of sneak it in there. You almost don't don't realize it until you're humming along or you've got the you know the hook stuck in your head. I I really like this album a lot. It's a it's really short, like I like. I think the <laughs> longest song is about uh, two and a half minutes. Um, it's twelve songs and it's like a half an hour. It's it's really short. So uh, it it just from start to finish there's really not a a bad song on here it was really kind of arbitrary what to pick i went with uh the fourth track called man act and uh, i'm curious to see what you guys think of this one I really like it. There, there's an impending doom to the fabric here, and and there's chaos, but it's cut with, like you say, I think you said something about melody or something, right? It's it's cut with just enough melody to make it pretty damn good. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of palatable for for as noisy as it as it can get. And the vocal performance is perfect too. There's no need to sing, right? Singing? <laughs> Who needs it? Yeah, no, fuck that. <laughs> I get a I get a distinct daughter's vibe off of this, Job. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I also hear kind of a bit of the idols in it. Maybe oh, it's, really? it's the vocals, or there's something about it that, as I was listening to it, I thought, you know, I I kind of heard the uh, something similar to to what idols do. You can hear the London in his voice. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe it's it? just the the London, or you know, they may kind of come from a similar scene, so there may be some you know, crossover there or some similar influences, but yeah. Um, but I did really like it. You know, I thought it was good and driving and energetic. Yeah. The, there's no lack of energy in it. That, that goes a long way, especially in this genre. I, I mean, I know there it's, you know, noise rock bands aren't always exploding with it, but I think when they are, they're at their best. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you guys something. This isn't uh, exclusive to noise rock, but certainly it it happens. It, have you ever tried to, or I guess the question is, have you ever played it for someone who who you knew wouldn't be into it, or have you ever been playing it in the car with your girlfriend or something and <laughs> had people react to music like this? Like, what what do you, what's the usual reaction if that's ever happened? I usually skip the track. <laughs> it seems easier than trying to convince somebody to like noise rock. I do that too. I don't. I'm like, my wife isn't gonna like this. I'll just move on and come back later when we're alone. <laughs> I think I can. You know, I can usually understand. Like, oh yeah, I can see why someone would hate this. Yes. So I, it's definitely easier. You know, I, I've definitely tried to like. I have friends where I've tried to convince them to like garage punk because it's you know just high energy and fun and 
But with noise rock, I'm not going to try and convince someone to like it because it's noisy and challenging to listen to. And I understand that people are not always going to like it. Yeah. I feel like anyone who's going to enjoy it will find it, too. That makes sense. I think we've established that we're all fine, upstanding gentlemen who won't subject people to shit they won't like. That's awesome. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't do that either. I don't. I, if anything, I have been accused of playing noise rock for people when it wasn't noise rock. Just, you know, people who have bad reactions to anything that's too too loud or aggressive. Yeah. Like, oh, that's just noise. Like, no, this is noise. Come here. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. No, I, I, yeah. I don't do that. I don't I make anybody listen to anything like this. I remember I was listening to, God, I want to say it wasn't even that bad. It was like Unwound or Jawbox or something. But I, I distinctly remember listening to a noise rock. I used to have a job where I'd sit at a desk for large parts of the day. And with I have my headphones in. And I worked with pr- pr- primarily women, young women. And I had one of my coworkers ask me what I was listening to. And I, I told her the name or something. And, of course, it didn't register. And I said, well, here, take a listen. And she did. And it took about two and a half seconds for her for her face to just change to like I just shit in her coffee. It was, it was really, it really was remarkable how fast it was, and I, I've always remembered it. Uh, on that note, <laughs> shit in our coffee, Tavis. What's your number two? <laughs> well, that, that that's probably a good place to go with this. Um, so this my number two pick actually. When I worked in the record store, I don't know if you guys had something similar, but we closed at nine, and so come about eight fifty, we'd pick something that we'd put on that was a little rough and we just sort of start with the volume low and by nine o'clock we were blasting whatever it was um and this band was always my go-to they're called naked city they were a new york band uh around from about 1988 to 1993 they were led by john zorn who is a sax player kind of avant-garde composer free jazz does all sorts of crazy stuff. This actually ties in a little bit to the jazz episode because the guitar player on this record is Bill Frizzell, who was the guitar player. I was just going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, he was the guitar Strikes player. Strikes again. Yep. The Andrew Cyril track that uh, Joby picked on the jazz episode, uh, he was the guitar player on that. Also features uh, Fred Frith on bass, Joey Barron on drums, who's just ridiculously good. And then Yamatsuka Ai is singing and or screaming. And really nobody screams like Yamatsuka Ai. He has just the, the best, craziest scream. So the song I picked is from their second album called Grand Guignol, or something like that, from 1992. Um, it was tough to find a song to pick because almost all of their songs are about a minute long. Uh, so finding one that we could play a portion of and not play the whole thing was a little tough. But uh-huh. Blood is Thin comes in at just over a minute and is just spastic and technically super tight and I find just really intriguing and noisy and more on the noisy side than the, the rock side, definitely, but, but I think fits into the category. This stands apart from most of the stuff that we'll play today, though, doesn't it? I just mean in terms of the instrumentation and whatnot and the delivery. It's, it's, more, it's more treated as like a performance art slash jazz experiment or something. Yeah, I can. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, they the band put out um, I think six studio albums. The first one was a little less. I'm not gonna say less noisy, but a little easier to listen to. It would go from like you'd have you know jazz to country to surf rock to like a blast beat, all in the same song over the course of about thirty seconds. And then the second album, they definitely got more noisy and screamy and and 
kind of crazy. And then the last few albums they put out were a little more ambient, but they're definitely there's there's more more of an avant-garde feel to this, I'd say, more of a like yeah, jazzy, like free jazz or, you know, sort of I hesitate to use this term serious, but kind of serious music to this. You know, this is definitely some of these are are more compositions than they are songs. I, I YouTubed this, actually, and I watched a number of clips, uh, live performances, and I was really, like, I was almost appalled. I was like, there's sheet music, <laughs> you know? It's, it did not expect that uh, within a noise genre, you know? It's, it's a lot less freewheeling that way, or maybe it's more so, I don't know. They, I'm sure they improvise some. Actually, John Zorn did a, a really interesting project called Cobra, where he um, he used, like, different colored cards and hand signals, and it was all improv but like conducted improv but you know most of these guys are just ridiculously good musicians who can play anything and so this is just sort of their let's stretch our legs and play the weirdest stuff we can find seek this out you will not find it on our playlist because it is simply not available on spotify um but you sent us the mp3 joby what did you think of naked city blood is thin well i have some thoughts um (laughs) i i think it's hilarious that you said you you played this to drive customers out because uh one of the few notes i had on this was you know uh, after we did the jazz episode and after you assigned me that uh betty davis album i said how man it would just be fun to hang out with tavis and just listen to music man because he just he plays so much music uh, <laughs> if i heard naked city come on i would know it was time to kind of get up gather my things <laughs> I've, I've worn out my welcome it's time to head home I, you know yeah. I, I should bow out graciously at one point I had a very small uh, kind of a John Zorn phase because uh, he played on the Mr. Bungle record and I was really into Mr. Bungle for about 20 minutes. So I, I <laughs> kind of, you know, followed John Zorn through that. So I don't know, maybe I, I heard him fall down that rabbit hole. Well, but, and Mike Patton did um, a, hmm. Mike Patton did vocals on uh, a couple of the Naked City recordings um, and John Zorn and Mike Patton have had a pretty long relationship of doing weird stuff together. So if you were a Faith No More fan or a Bungle fan, it's entirely possible that you stumbled across Naked City at some point. Well, my my only other real thought on this was that, you know, as a as a listener, I feel like there's just nothing here for me. I mean, there's nothing here for anyone. But <laughs> as a as a musician, as a musician, I feel like this must be the most freeing, liberating feeling in the world. Like yeah. this must just be yeah. bliss to just play the craziest shit there is and just go from one thing to the next that fast. It just must be amazing. They must have a blast playing live when they did this. Yeah, I th- I get that a lot. I, yeah, because they're it's it's really expressive, even if it isn't an easy listen. I I totally hear that. 
you know, it, it's definitely active listening. I don't put it on as background music because it, yeah, you can't really ignore it. But I, I still like just the the crazy noises and the the interaction between all the musicians. And maybe it's just the musician in me that hears it and kind of hears that the skill that it takes to do this. And you know, it's they go completely insane. And there's just noise everywhere, and all of a sudden they will all hit you know, the same downbeat at the same time and play the same lick. And you think, how the fuck did they do that? But you yeah. see them do it live and they do it live too. So it's not just studio magic. It's like, they're just, right. It sounds like total noise, but they're all still like in the same place in the song in their head. And I don't know how they do it. I just find it entertaining to listen to. And so I listen to it, you know, not a lot, but it, it gets put on once every couple of months. Uh, I am pretty psyched, actually, to share my number two, because this is a song that I discovered not that long ago. And this is kind of why, Joby, I wanted to do uh, It Came From The 90s episode, where we, you know, we talk about songs that were not hits, but maybe they had an effect on you, or, you know, maybe it was even really bad, but, you know, just the idea that it saw the light of day because it was the 90s is intriguing to me. This is buried in the 90s somewhere. This is a band called Bark Market. And this is actually pretty accessible, to be honest. It's it's hardly the noisiest of noise rock. But I just love this song so damn much. And it breaks my heart that this band only made three records and just died. And they didn't die because of lack of success or anything. I think they. it sounds more like it died because uh, lead, lead guitarist and singer Dave Sardi became a, a pretty big producer. Matter of fact, he would go on to to produce like Marilyn Manson and Slayer and The Walkman and Helmet. In fact, uh, Dave's already produced Aftertaste, Job. Uh, you still with us, Job? Sorry, I was. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had you muted so that the baby wasn't babbling all over everything. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Uh, so anyway, Jonah recommended these guys. It was in some Facebook post of his from from a few years back. Uh, jo- this is Jonah Matranga from the band Far. Anyway, Jonah mentioned these guys because Dave Sardi also produced Water and Solutions. Uh, Far's, uh, you know, th- uh, I guess that was their third record, but certainly their best. Bark Market's music is not unlike Jesus Lizard, actually, in that it's like noise rock meets blues. not a lot of blues but that the way that dave sardi slides the the strings on this guitar uh it sort of made me think you might dig it nope (laughs) oh no (laughs) didn't do it for me no no didn't didn't really do it for me i swear to god tavis half the time i think he's just negging me (laughs) (laughs) no this just didn't do yeah now let me ask though i i mean i don't i don't know anything about bark market i know the name that's it 
are they kind of a, or were they like a, a tongue in cheek kind of a band that would sort of had a sense of humor? I don't think it was that was on the surface. No. Because when I listened to that, it was like, I almost felt like it was a novelty song. I was like, what, are they joking? What is this? I didn't, I didn't oh, get it. I didn't oh. care for it at all. I, I love this band and this song especially, which is called uh, Visible Cow. And I'm sure that there's certainly a, a, you know, a, good, a good dose of, of humor put in there. I just don't think it's really a big part of it. I just like the sonic freakout, you know, the, the slide that feels aggressive. It, it sort of insists upon itself. Playing slide, by the way, not easy. Joby, do you know how to play slide? Uh, a, a little, just barely. Um, on our uh, on the AYP demo, I actually cut a guitar solo and I used, you know, you can use almost anything as a slide, you know, that's got a smooth yeah. surface. I used a vibrator, so uh, <laughs> uh, that was that was fun. And it was running, too, so, you, you know, you could hear the, the little whirring coming through my pickups. It was cool. Huh. That that's that seems on brand for that band. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was a brand new one, by the way. It wasn't used. Don't, don't even yeah, get sure any ideas. I don't have a fetish <laughs> or anything. No, it was just your mom's or some shit, right? <laughs> oh <laughs> no. shit! I just I, I just stepped in it because your mom was dead. Oh uh, no, well, hers would have been way too big anyway. Oh. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. How can you not lean into a joke like that? Come on. Uh, Tavis, so Joby's not a fan of Visible Cow. What did you think? Uh, I got to agree with Joby. I wasn't that into it either. Um, wow, really? Yeah, I had never heard him before. Uh, and so, you know, put them on. Didn't really, I didn't realize when they were from. I don't know if that makes a difference, but they didn't do much for me. I just wasn't that into their sound. And yeah, they just didn't didn't ring with me for some reason now dave sardi self-produced this record and he's you know i think a lot of times people who are good producers are also over producers do you think that's part of the problem it could be i mean it definitely did sound overproduced thinking about it that way i don't know if if having a, a rougher edge or a more raw sound would have improved it for me but it didn't really do much for me I, it's it wasn't bad i just can't really imagine like having a time that i would want to listen to that over any other 90s noise rock and it's funny when i pick a song like this it's i i do it partially and it's a small part but there's a part of me that picks it because it's accessible and i think well i you know this band people need to hear about this band and it's super accessible this would be perfect pick but here you guys are like no you shouldn't have picked that (laughs) accessible is not always good and it's kind of the antithesis of noise rock time for that man of war clip Uh, Joby, you're up. He's wrestling Alistair for the mute button, probably, right? (laughs) I forgot I had muted my phone. I was already talking about tongue party. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay. I was saying I am so excited for my number one. I don't don't even know exactly where to start. I I didn't know who these guys were. Like I said, I was focusing on on new albums, uh, new bands that were still out found this band called Tongue Party, which is one of my favorite band names I've found in an awfully long time. They uh, they call themselves Minneapolis Trash Heroes. They're, they don't take themselves very seriously. I don't even know <laughs> if they want to ever have any degree of success. They act like they don't. I, I don't know. Maybe they don't. Like we were talking about, this is the new punk rock. Maybe this is all they want. They just want to, you know, their YouTube channel has like 90 f- subscribers. 
they they have clips of them playing at a Chinese restaurant with like 40 views. Like they're not like popular at all. And I don't know how they're not more popular. I love this band. They are just, it's a three piece again. And I don't know how they manage to sound so thick and heavy with just three guys, just guitar, bass and drums. Um, their, their, their initial or their opening sentence of their bio says they formed in 2014 under the guise of making music. So they're really just kind of really <laughs> self-deprecating, uh, just really loud. See, this is what I was talking about, about how a band achieves their noise, because these guys just sound so massive. Like, there's no, you know, added effects. I mean, there's some kind of effects on the vocals here and there and whatnot, but they don't really do much to make themselves sound abrasive. They're just loud and booming, and, and you just feel like you can't, you, you can't contain them. They're just too much. Uh, there's a clip on YouTube of them playing in a storage shed. <laughs> I mean, it just, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where to start. I love these guys. I just, I am like championing these guys. Even if I didn't like their music that much, I would just be behind them because of their story and what they're, where they're at in their career. So again, like with USA Nails, actually they did a split EP with USA Nails like three years ago. I didn't know that when yeah. I, when I picked these guys, but uh, again, it was really hard. I could have picked any song off the record, uh, but I went with the song called Hot Garbage. And what's the name of this band? Fart Box? Something like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. I was wondering about that. Do you want to let listeners in on that joke, or should well, we leave them, I mean, leave them guessing? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I mean, Tavis got a little uptight, you know, didn't want to mention Fudge Tunnel and Tongue Party in the same same show and it just seemed like it was problematic ah, come on man we've all you know we've all had those drunken nights whether you enjoy it or not we've all been there where you start tongue punching the old fart box and before you know it hey you know what there's no turning back once you get there <laughs> Yeah, this has a real Jesus Lizard energy, but with um, more low end. And this is unrelenting. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. I actually, and maybe this was just sort of the, the weird guitar intro to the song. I heard a little bit of like Residence influence, like early Residence, but that kind of quickly went away as soon as they got to the just like onslaught of noise. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's funny that Joby talked about, you know, that they kind of come by their noise naturally and I was listening to it and thinking, I don't know if I'd classify these guys as noise rock. I think this is enough noise for me. This is like what I was alluding to at the beginning. Like, this is a band I would have liked and never would have known they were classified as noise rock. To me, this is more 
Like to me, I hear kind of a Melvin's vibe in this a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I can get that. Kind of just like a heavy sludge, you know, like grungy. Like I wouldn't think of this automatically as noise rock, but you know, it's if just it were more. slowed down some, yeah. then then I think you're you're getting further away from the noise rock label, you know. But because it's so because it's so frenetic, I think it sort of lends itself toward noise rock, though. So, I can see that. Yeah, not good pick, Job. This is a good one. Yeah, I liked it. Is that all we have to say about fart? I mean, tongue party. Are we good? <laughs> I don't know if he listens, but I have to just own it. Uh, own up to the fact that I I didn't coin that phrase. Uh, my old bass player DJ did. So DJ, if you're listening, you'll be proud to know I I still use that that expression uh, as often as I can. <laughs> what fart box? Tongue punching the old fart box. Yeah, I, I've heard that phrase before. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's a a common euphemism. Yeah, I'll take the I'll take all the credit away from from DJ. Fuck How it. common can it be? <laughs> yeah. a, a good common question. enough that all three of us have heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that says more about us, though. Tavis, tell us more about how great San Diego is. I would love to. So my number one pick is a San Diego band that was around for uh, about four years, from '94 to '98. Um, Featured the drummer Mario Rubacaba, who is, was a member also of Hot Snakes and Earthless and Rock from the Crypt and Sultans and Off and the Blackheart Procession and also a professional skater at one point and ridiculously good drummer. Guitar player in the band or singer was Scott uh, Bartoloni, who was in a, another San Diego band called Heroin. But together they, in 94, put together a band called Clickatat Ikatawi. They were, I guess, considered part of the art punk scene, but if art punk isn't noise rock, I'm not sure what is. They put out one studio album, one live album, and one EP, uh, so not much, but everything they put out is just fucking great. It's really complex, it's layered, it's dark, it's driving. It, to me, is everything that noise rock should be, and I just, I love it. I guess I should say that the, the song I picked is called Identity Crisis uh, from their one full-length studio album, called Orchestrated and Conducted by... Yeah, the, uh, the the muddled rhythm section is so noise rock, as though it's a dispatch from some gutter. Uh, and this this kind of has the hallmark, a bunch of hallmarks of noise rock. And it, I guess it just reminds me of how incestuous the genre can be. Because this song alone, I getting I getting tastes of of John Spencer, Unwound, Scratch Acid, Jawbox, and uh, it's just funny how you know this is '90s, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, this album came out, I believe, in '94. Yeah, in a way, I'm really in love with that era. 
uh, I mean, I, that's no surprise to regular listeners, but especially when it comes to noise, it's that was a good time for noise rock. I agree, Job. Uh, you know, um, upon like the very first opening seconds of this, I thought, oh God, I didn't <laughs> think I was going to like it, but I actually love this song. Uh, the chorus just gets me. Oh God. And this is another one that just feels like it's just bursting at the seams. You just can't, you, you can't help but blast this as loud as possible. And it will just demolish your brain if you try to. Such an ass kisser. Oh, right. You get, you like Tavis. We got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you guys were exchanging texts, when we were discussing doing this, uh, this was the the one where I finally was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Who is this Japanese Ikatawi guy? Like, what? who yeah, the yeah. fuck are you? You guys in your obscure fucking noise rock. Oh, whatever. You know, I, I had no idea who you were talking about. Uh, and actually, I, I don't, I, I'm not really super into like some of those other bands that, uh, what's his name? Mario? Mark? Mark? Mario. Mario, Mario Rubacaba. I'm not huge into some of the bands, but I, I actually dig Earthless quite a bit, and I love Off. So I'm actually a, a fan of his and didn't really know it. I'm amazed that you hmm. like Earthless since their shortest song is probably 12 minutes long. Ah, it's just yes. bluesy jam music. I mean, it's it's all good. <laughs> Fair enough. If you ever get a chance to see them live, they're great. I, w- I would imagine so, yeah. All right, well, let's finish. Uh, we'll fin- I guess we're finishing the show strong on San Diego. Um, I actually had just considered completely just picking a random number one just to fuck with you guys, but I'm, I'll <laughs> stick with the plan. This is all Tavis's fault because I he, had, he early on we were talking about our picks, and he said, well, which one of us gets drive like Jehu? And I said, well, please, you do it because I've already talked about them at least twice, I think, on the show. <laughs> and uh, and then you then you turncoat. You said, oh, I can't do them. You, you know, we're just... I guess you're going to have to do him. So I don't even really get to pick. I, I have to do this. This is, I, if I don't pick Drive Like Jehu, then fuck it. I, I, I quit. Uh, but I'm going to quote to you guys from the Old Testament here, from the Book of Kings. We're all very religious Christians, I'm sure. And the watchman <laughs> told, saying, he, he came even unto them and cometh not again. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he driveth, he driveth furiously. For some reason, I actually didn't look much further than this. That's that's where they got the name for the band, Drive Like Jehu. Uh, San Diego Band. Uh, this is one of the many times I've mentioned John Reese on the show, but, uh, you know, huge fan. Uh, also, Rick Froberg from Hot Snakes uh, and Mike Kennedy and Mark Trombino. Mark Trombino, actually, after this band broke up, went on to become a producer of some huge records. The, the first one comes to mind is that Jimmy Eat World record with the middle on it. He produced the Blink albums too, like the. Uh, I don't yes, remember which he did, one, but yeah. a couple of the big Blink albums, and yeah, he's produced a ton of really popular stuff. It's weird to think that the guys in Blink One Eighty Two are somehow fans of Drive Like Jehu, but there you go, there you go. Well, they're both from San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Drive Like Jehu formed in nineteen ninety, uh, the year when so many weird, wonderful things sprang. From which <laughs> many weird, wonderful things sprang. And because it was the 90s, Reese scored an Interscope contract for not just one band, but two, Rocket from the Crypt and Drive Like Jehu. It actually took me a while to appreciate this band. We had a promo. Joby, do you remember getting a promo for this record back in your day? For Yank Crime? Yeah. No, I don't think so. We got well more than our share from Interscope. And And it's funny because I don't know if you have the same thing, but for some reason when there's a plethora... 
like you can get that promo easy you don't have to fight anyone for it it's like well it must not be very good <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and i think i think that was sort of my impression of drive like ju and i think i even listened to it once or twice and because it's not the kind of album that's going to come right out and grab you necessarily although now that i say that actually the opening track is pretty grabby um but a lot of it is long it, it took me a while to appreciate this but when I finally did, I mean, I don't know many bands that I love more than this one. It Because it does what I wanted music to do back when I discovered noise rock, which is like to break norms, offend traditionalists, express angst, and, and it, all, all the while make beauty out of chaos. I mean, t- to me, even now at, at 42, that still sounds amazing that even one band can do all those things. And uh, Rick Froberg's vocals, I, I've always loved especially. They're, they're, they're wrought with something more than simple angst, you know? Yeah, Rick Froberg is possibly my favorite rock vocalist of all time. He, that, he, just that, that, that sound of his larynx coming apart as he sings is (laughs) so great. And you know, it's funny when he performs, he looks like he could not give a shit about (laughs) any of it. That is kind of (laughs) true. He's, yeah john reese on the other hand definitely gives a shit he loves being on stage and his playing is is so soulful and i don't know about you guys but i soul is not something that is nor a normal extension of noise rock i don't think but but you get it from john reese the noise the band makes seems arbitrary on the surface but it coalesces in such a glorious way that it can't be arbitrary so well i want to say maybe about Ooh, two years ago or so, before we started the podcast, uh, I was uh, looking for something to, to listen to, and I didn't really know what to put on. So I sent you just a random text out of nowhere. I said, hey, just tell me something to listen to right now. <laughs> and you said, listen to the Yank Crime. Uh, and I wasn't like blown away, but I didn't dislike it. Um, uh-huh. As far as the song that we've, we've chosen here today, there are a few levels for one thing, I mean, the obvious, it's like nine and a half minutes long. Um, it definitely is that. I think it's 11. <laughs> I I love the main riff. The only word I could think of to describe it was like a, almost like a seasick. Like uh, it sounds like a kind of riff that would give people motion sickness because it's got yeah. like that last note kind of slides off, just trails off. I love that. If it were up to me, I would say the song's over at four minutes and 39 seconds. Um, <laughs> wow, that's long for you. <laughs> when they pick it back up, okay, okay. Uh, it's still pretty good because they keep just, you know, they keep driving that that riff home and that riff is just so good. So, okay, I'll let it go to about maybe seven, seven and a half, uh-huh. and I would still accept it. But the last like minute wow. and a half, that's. Yeah, that's wankery. I tell me that's not arbitrary. Ah, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Glorious coalescing. No. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I'm definitely going to splice in the coalescing <laughs> when I edit this. Oh.
So the the reason I I couldn't respond to your Facebook post about favorite song over six minutes is that this would have been it. Uh huh. I this is definitely I think one of the noisiest of Jehu's songs. A lot of their stuff I think kind of transcends noise rock, and I might not even classify them that way. This song yeah. definitely it is noisy. It's great. I love just you know it it just has this this build to it and and. Yeah, I, I love everything about it. it. It's a great song. Possibly the best thing Rob Crow has ever done. He sang background vocals on it. Mostly known for his band Pinback, which I was never that big a fan of. But I like them because I know he sang on this song. Yeah. Um, when I saw them play Balboa Park a couple years back on their first uh, reunion date, uh, Rob Crow showed up. Oh, nice. Uh, and sang his part on this song. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was super bummed to miss that show, but I did catch them at i believe it was at alex's bar in long beach when they did a show a, a couple months later and was so excited to, to actually see them and you know because i never got to see them when they were actually a band but yeah, yeah i you know that that's i think the the one thing that keeps me listening after, after i've screamed at my radio because i disagreed with something is that i know you love jehu and, and that makes you okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you think you scream at your radio more because of me the, over Joby? Oh, please answer the question. Probably 60-40, Joby, but, but you've... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've both had your moments. I'll take it. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, Rob Crow, by the way, also a member of a band that I, I'm not even very familiar with. I think they're probably, if memory serves, they're terrible, but I love their name. Goblin Cock. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> their name is Goblin Cock. <laughs> Uh, that is a funny band name. That's all. The argument for this not being noise rock, I totally understand. You know, there's a fair amount of punk and post-hardcore here. I even read something, maybe even like a real basic like Wikipedia thing that called it emo, and I just I I I disagree with that on uh, on every level. I don't get an emo vibe. Yeah, I don't either. If you go back to the early melodic punk like Soulside or whatever. You, you can you can slap emo on anything that isn't Black Flag, but I don't think that label uh, belongs on Drive Like Jehu. So anyway, they, to me, they were always the best at uh, elevating noise, and, and that's what they do on Luau. That brings us to the end of our journey, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing pretty good. Fantastic. <laughs> I think it's appropriate that this is the one episode that Alistair, like two hours in, is still going. <laughs> Yeah, with the noise. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, we're we're recording this like we started recording at around 5 p.m. our time. So he's he just got up from an I literally had to like wake him up to bring him in here to start recording. Oh, wow. So he's fully rested. He's bored off his ass like he is so bored. Uh, You're also Rans, Tavis. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I've got a, a decent list also, Rands. I should probably give a shout out to my brother, Brandon, who has, you know, been the biggest influence in the, the noisy stuff I listen to. Uh, on the on the kind of rock side of things, uh, Residents, uh, the Nick Cave band Grinderman has some really great stuff that I would consider noise. Yeah. Um, there's a Dutch punk band called The X that's had this sort of huge career since the early 80s. Oh, yeah. Putting out all sorts of stuff, but... Some of their stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s was definitely on the noise rock spectrum. Similarly, the Dogface Hermans, who were a British punk band around the same time, who did kind of art punk, noisy stuff. You can't really talk about noise rock without Unsane. Um, and then yeah. on the noisier side of things, I tend to go Japanese. Uh, so like I said, Merzbau, Melt Banana, Boredoms, The Ruins, and then Mike Patton from 
Faith No More, Mr. Bungle has a ton of stuff that goes just crazy noisy and, and fun. That about sums it up. Joby, have you got any? Oh, yeah. I got, have I got? Yes, <laughs> I have some. Um, well, I just wanted to say real quick, um, I listened to the Melt Banana song that Brandon put on Facebook, and I, that's the a, a name I kept seeing. I had never really heard of them. Oh, yeah. God, I love the song he, he put on there. I don't remember what it was called, but I'm definitely going to be checking them out. I love that so much. It was- <laughs> they, are, they are crazy, and the, the singer is this tiny little Japanese woman who just shrieks like a banshee and is great. Oh, it was fantastic. I loved it. Well, I um, once I found my angle, I kind of narrowed everything down. So, I mean, before when I was going broad, I had a, a few like Cherubs and McCluskey, uh, the McCluskey spinoff, Future of the Left. Um, of course, there's Daughters. I mentioned Kid Mode and Whores. Uh, but the real like the nitty gritty Ulcerans I had, uh, I had uh, Kansas City's own uh, Bummer, who sound a, a lot like tongue party very similar vibe there so it was kind of hard to pick between the two i uh, had couch slut um <laughs> uh, anyone who uh is disappointed that i didn't take advantage of the opportunity to play helmet shout out to listener Artie. you want to know what helmets <laughs> would sound like if they were still around and st- didn't suck anymore check out the band wrong uh, the opposite of right, wrong. They are amazing, uh-huh. uh, very heavy. They're almost not noise rock like we were talking about. They're just almost kind of metal, but they're really just kind of a real strong helmet vibe. Uh, and then there was a band I read about a few times, and I could not find them anywhere except on YouTube, a band called Tile. Ever heard of this band, Tile? No. I I read about them and I found a clip of them on YouTube playing live on a rooftop somewhere and they sounded amazing, but they're not on Spotify. They're not on Apple Music. I don't know where you find their music, honestly. So a little investigative journalism for everybody there. Uh, That's that's pretty much it. Like I said, once I kind of figured out my angle, I narrowed it down real quick. Okay. Uh, My also ran start with Pussy Galore, Tavis. I'm sure you dig them, right? I, I do dig them. Um, Another band that I'm, I don't really, I guess they're noise rock. <laughs> what, Pussy Galore? Yeah. Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. I have I have trouble seeing John Spencer as noise rock, but maybe, I mean, sure, why not? He, he's pretty noisy. That's true. I do like them. They're, they're great. Um, I also have Scratch Acid, which is David Yao's first band. Uh, Big Black. I was really close to picking Unwound uh, for my number one, uh, but then they just kind of got slid down <laughs> to number four. So uh, I think Jawbox deserves to be mentioned, not because they're so, you know, they're, they're nothing like a lot of these bands, but they were on a, on Atlantic Records in 1994 and making a lot of noise compared to other bands. And I just, I just love them for that. Hmm. Fun fact, I reviewed them for my high school paper. They're, they're what is now considered a classic for your own special sweetheart. 
album, and I gave them a middling review. I've I've actually got <laughs> not that anyone remembers but me, but I've got quite a, 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 a you know a lot of cred for for shitting on pretty good stuff back when I was a teenager. <laughs> I also have Godhead Silo, The Cows need to be mentioned. White Lung, probably not so much in the noise rock uh, category, but I wanted to mention their one of their, their record with Down with the Monsters, so good. Sleigh Bells, I think, deserves to be mentioned, along with uh, Shellac, Six Finger Satellite. I also had Unsane and McCluskey, um, Girls Against Boys, Cracker Bash, and then Swans and Pissed Jeans. Uh, our listeners, shout out to our Noise Rock Now group on Facebook. You guys should definitely join that if you liked what you heard today. Uh, like you said, Brandon, shout out to Brandon Wirtz. He uh, he had a lot to share. And I God love him for that. Every, every, lately, every time he listens to an episode, he'll check in with us on Facebook and he'll <laughs> give us a full breakdown. And whether I agree with him or not, I just love hearing from your brother, Tavis. Yeah, he, he pointed out that the... Uh the preferred nomenclature is actually the Brothers Wirtz as opposed to the Wirtz Brothers. And I don't know where that came from, but, <laughs> gotcha. but there are a few people who refer to us as the Brothers Wirtz, probably because we're always together at shows. Like the Brothers Karamazov or something. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Is he a younger or older brother? Uh, he's younger. He's uh, three years younger than I am, but um, okay. musically, he has more record store experience than probably the three of us combined. He worked in the music record in the record store industry for probably a solid 12 years and has, you know, 5,000 mm. records in his living room and has, you know, just this encyclopedic knowledge of music. So he's probably the biggest influence on my musical taste, despite him being my younger brother. Uh, well, he mentioned shellac and swans as well. He also mentioned melt banana. And I, I don't know if you guys were talking about your picks ahead of time. I feel like you just said you were, but he also mentioned click Atawi. Uh, he mentioned two bands I don't know, Dead and Gone and Angel Hair. I've heard Dead and Gone, um, but I'm not real familiar with them. I don't know Angel Hair. And then he mentions Jesus Lizard and Unsane. And I have to say, I've been meaning to say this all this entire recording, Unsane is the, the one noise rock band that I feel like you could shuffle their entire discography and not skip one. <laughs> They're just not that broad. What they do, they do over and over and over, and I love it. It's like it's like Slayer, only better or something. <laughs> wow, that's weird that you said that. I actually saw Unsane open for Slayer once. Oh, really? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and how were they? Oh, they were great. I mean, considering you know the hostile crowd that it is, you know, to open for Slayer, yeah. especially like twenty years ago, they didn't get booed off stage or anything. Everybody actually got got into them. It was cool. Uh, we have a Facebook follower named. Tila Ross, uh, they mentioned Lightning Bolt, and Mike mentioned Unsane, Shellac, and Jesus Lizard. Paul, our, our, our super fan from Wichita, Joby, he had a shit ton to, to share. Well, you challenged him. I did, yes. <laughs> he, he, he shared like five or six, and, I, and he said he could do this all night, and I said, we dare you. So <laughs> he, he called my dare. Jesus Lizard, <laughs> Six Finger Satellite, The Heads, or Heads, I'm not sure which, I'm not familiar Cherubs, Brainiac, Helms Ali, Big Black, Sonic Youth. He actually mentioned Babes in Toyland. How long has it been since you've heard that band, the name of that band? Boy, yeah. Uh, Mets, Steel Pole, Bathtub, Whore. I don't know if he meant to write Whores or if there's a band called Whore. Uh, he mentioned an early Dinosaur Junior album, Scratch Acid. He actually mentioned Bark Market, so I hope he takes issue with your guys' shitty opinion of that band. Hmm. Uh, he mentioned Girls vs. Boys and The Birthday Party and Flipper and The Wipers. And then he said something about a band called Old Coffins. Uh, and then he mentioned 
Riverside. I'm, and then he mentioned Wichita as well, so I don't know which it is. Well, Old Coffins is his band. He was making a joke. Oh, uh, gotcha. R- Riverside is a poor is a section of Wichita. Gotcha. And see, because you used to live in Riverside, California, it confused right. me. Yeah. All right. So Tavis is in position to assign one of us something again. What are we betting on? Oh God! Or do you want to uh, pick the band, Tavis? Do you want to? Yeah, let Tavis pick. Why not? Oh, uh, help us out. So, do you just want me to pick the what you're going to listen to, or do you want me to pick or the wager band? Both. Yeah, both. All right. Let's see. What did we talk about? Yeah, there's nothing real big. Oh, although we did mention helmet, and I know we could both do that. Yeah. Uh, Butthole surfers. I um, really only know one of their records. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe Helmet. Yeah, I guess that's probably the only only way to go here. Yeah. Uh, Job, it's it's your turn if we're doing Helmet. Where do you where do you land? Unsung. Actually, now, now that I think about it, this is really unfair because I feel like there's an obvious answer to this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Job, you want to do it anyway? It's up to you. We can, uh, we can do a different one because, yeah, it is pretty lopsided. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what number two would be. Yeah, me either. Well, I better be Milk Toast because that was on the Crow soundtrack. What else can we do? Should I should I go to my archives? Yeah, might as I well. I'm trying to think of okay. uh, what about Slayer? You mentioned Slayer. Oh yeah, let's do Slayer. That's okay. a pretty easy choice, and it's kind of a coin flip. Slayer, Slayer, Slayer. Ah, uh, boy. Huh. I'm gonna go with Raining Blood. Yeah, that's pretty. That's probably the winner. I was going to say that one was on Guitar Hero, so uh, that's probably a good guess. Even before then, I feel like that's probably the most popular. And, you know, there's probably some, some Latter-day stuff in the mix there, too, but I think the only way to go is Angel of Death. Uh, that's the only thing that's I can think of that's going to be anywhere close to Raining Blood. So, all right, Slayer. Uh, oh, okay, so Angel of Death is number four, then Repentless, then South of Heaven, then Raining Blood. All right. Tavis, are you a Slayer fan at all? Not really. Yeah, you strike me as a Slayer guy. I never got into metal much. I, well, I say much. I never got into metal at all. <laughs> well, what am I listening to? Well, uh, I decided for this one, um, inspired by your Recommend a Classic album, uh, to go with the okay. uh, sophomore album by a little band from Chicago called Chicago. So uh, oh, second boy. album, creatively named uh, I was just gonna say, you know, name. Oh, it was it was called two. Is that what you said? Yeah, it was <laughs> called two. Uh, do you have a, a an opinion on Chicago going in? You know, the only thing I really know about Chicago. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm I'm familiar with more than this, but I remember in the fifth grade that was that song, "Look Away." Oh God, yeah, the Peter uh, Cetera song. I don't even think that was Chicago. Oh really? Yeah, I think that was okay. Peter Cetera solo. But so. I only recently got into Chicago after being told my entire life, you know, they're a rock band with horns. You should like them. They have a, <laughs> uh, they have a bit of a reputation for being a little pretentious, probably coming from the fact that like their first three albums were all double LPs. Um, oh, Jesus. So the number two is, is a bit longer than you'd like. Um, and it also like, it's considered a concept album, even though none of the songs really blend themselves to that. Uh, but I do mm. think personally that they've got some good stuff and it's worth a listen. That's what I'm going to assign to you this week. 
Joby, if you if you ever wanted to get revenge on me, Tavis just did it for you because he's assigning me an album from 1970 by Chicago that's a double record and there's 18 <laughs> tracks on it. Oh, so. they're gonna they're gonna fly by. <laughs> well, now that now that you mention it, there are some short songs on here, so maybe you're right. Yeah, there there are actually some really good ones. If I, I think uh, that I think. they are okay. uh, at least their early stuff is actually kind of underrated because of the they got so tarnished after like later on with when Peter Cetera took over some yeah, of I the agree. singing and everything and they got way soft rock you know but some of those those first three albums have some really good songs on them also at one point during their touring they incorporated a phone booth into their stage show just so that they could go in there and snort coke during their show without having to leave the stage how rock and roll is that. <laughs> I, I did not know wow. that. Wow. Is that true? That's 100% true, that, yes. Jeez, that's wow. like Def Leppard setting up the orgy scene underneath the stage. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. All right. Well, uh, Tavis, thanks for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us where we can find you? Yeah, thanks for having me again. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, at Tavis Sivat, T-A-V-I-S-I-V-A-T. Uh, I am also on Twitter. I think I've made one tweet in the five years I've had the account, but DM me there and see what happens. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, those are probably the two best places. My Facebook is pretty locked down. Anyone could find you at Alex's bar any given Saturday, I'm sure, right? Yeah, not any Saturday, but but frequently there, or if not there, the Wayfarer. I, I I have to take issue with this. I, I'm sorry. I have to I have to just take issue with this. How are you going to plug all your social media? And not plug the Tavis page on Angel Fire. (laughs) (laughs) That was the jewel of uh, that. You have no idea how happy that made me to find that. Oh my God. Yeah, that is a a period of time that was weird. Yeah, it was fucking weird. I I didn't read the whole thing because it was so long, but she has that the girl who runs the Tavis page or ran the Tavis page had this interview with you. I oh, guess yeah. it was like South Dakota or something. And it was Fargo. so long and so many inane questions. And I was like, God, Tavis is very polite because this is, this is insane. Well, and, and the best part oh. of that was she, uh, she then drove me to Walmart so I could buy clean underwear. Cause Walmart was closer than the nearest laundromat and I was out of clean underwear. So, uh, <laughs> that was, yeah, but, um, yeah, she was, I mean, she was a nice enough girl, but it was, uh, she was just into me for some reason. And wow. Yeah. Oh, I should Last also updated on in 2004, <laughs> the Tavis page. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can find it. You can find it at www.angelfire.com slash M B slash Tavis. <laughs> yeah. I think she was a Boston's fan as well. So, uh, Oh, I should also uh, plug, I am currently in a band called The Cineramas. Uh, we do all songs from Tarantino movies and then possibly play in in August 17th. So find us on Facebook or Instagram and watch out for shows if you're in the Orange County, Long Beach area. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for, uh, for us this week, I suppose. Uh, find us on Facebook.com slash The Ringing Ear, at The Ringing Ear on Twitter and Instagram. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and, uh, for God's sake, give us a rating and a review. I don't even care if it's a bad one. Uh, next week, we have not settled on, have we, Job? No, we've, we've kind of left it up to uh, some of our listeners, and, and really, I, the results seem to be just kind of spread evenly. I, I haven't really seen anything really take the lead. I feel like most people wanted us to do an Adam Yauk episode or an alt-country episode. Um, so maybe we'll tackle one of those next. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Either one of those is fine. I, f- I feel like alt country is a 
I'm surprised people want that because it seems like we touch on it a lot, but I guess we don't really dive in too hard. I also think a couple people are asking for a morphine episode too, and I know you'd be more than like more than happy to do that. Oh god, we could devote episodes to each album, honestly. <laughs> that's ooh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Just work okay. our way up chronologically or something. I'll guest on the like swimming episode. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you can find everything that we have to offer on our website, reviews, photos, links to our playlist at killboringmusic.com. That's killboringmusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. Yeah, everyone, please visit eatsleepcatapult.bandcamp.com to buy Busperoni. Busperoni? <laughs> I don't, I think it's Busperone. Busperone. <laughs> Busperoni sounds like some kind of weird pasta dish. Uh, Busperone <laughs> yeah. by Eat Sleep Catapult. Our opening theme is. Performed by them. What? What the? Oh my God! What song? What's the name of the song again? Busperone. Yeah, that's the the theme song. Yeah, that's our theme song. This what's season, the name anyway. of their? What's the? What's the name of their EP or their? Uh, little? little did you know. Okay. Okay. I was like, no, we say we'll yeah. say Bus Busperone every episode, or I wouldn't trip over it. <laughs> I switch it up. I'm trying to stay fresh. <laughs> Damn you and your <laughs> attention <laughs> checks. Uh, we talk about these this goddamn band every week. I just try to switch it up. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and speaking of uh, unsigned bands, uh, artists and bands, if you are unsigned, we will review your music. Just hit us up at killbarmusic.com slash contact, and we'll give you an honest review at the end of the show in our unsigned artist spotlight. Tavis, have you enjoyed any unsigned stuff that we've featured lately, or is it does it, 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 it kind of go unnoticed by you as a listener? Uh, there was something recently that I kind of liked, but I don't remember what it was. Well... That doesn't help. I guess we're not very effective in this, are we? (laughs) You know, sometimes I wonder if we should move it up, like to the to the front of the show. I feel like putting it at the end maybe is not the most helpful thing for the bands. You know what I mean? That's true. Like if I was listening, I would be like, eh. Well, you also tend to talk over the first minute of the song. Well, yeah, and and it's it's kind of a you know you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours kind of thing where we get to play an entire song that we don't have to worry about getting sued for <laughs> while the band gets at least half of their song played. Although, I think with the Brett Max, the the rapper here in San Diego that we featured uh recently i liked his song enough that i i guess i'm playing favorites now i actually spliced his in so it started from basically the beginning uh today uh, joby this week who's in the spotlight i i assume that we are operating under the notion that they're called thieves yes i believe they are Woo! <laughs> <laughs> they're not thieves. Thieves. yeah they they're they're spe- the band is spelled t-h-v-s all caps and they are they are from ireland right yeah, they're a heavy rock band based in Belfast. That's I'm quoting their their own bio here. And actually, I I think I was friended on Facebook by one of the members today. And apparently, we have a common friend in Johnny Adger, who's the bassist for. And so I watch you from afar. So I guess Belfast is kind of a small town like that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if these guys actually do see each other in real life. You know. Uh, but what did you guys think of Thieves? So we we've got a song called. Mayblood. Any thoughts on this? It was cool. I mean, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it for more than, I think, maybe twice. But there was not really anything not to like about it. It didn't really, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, it didn't blow me away. But I didn't dislike anything. I, you know, good luck to them. <laughs> Hopefully they'll come out here and tour in the States. 
This seems to me like uh, pretty appropriate. It's it's noisy. You, you could probably call this noise rock, right? Sure. <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm sorry. On my end, that just sounded so weird. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't laughing at you, Travis. That just sounded really weird because it, it was just dead silence for a second. It was just like, okay, I'll, I'm game. Sure. <laughs> Tavis, you. It sounds like you're biting your tongue. Yeah, I thought you know it's all right. It, um didn't blow me away uh, i kind of hate the snare drum sound but otherwise it was uh, it was good okay i get bits of uh converge and unsane so it's good enough for me although they say in some of their material we play pop music which i think is a funny thing for a noise rock band <laughs> to say so hopefully ho- hopefully that's the joke yeah right <laughs> uh be sure to check out thieves new single palisades which will be out august 16th and their forthcoming album fevers out this fall uh, i think it's in october Make sure to follow them on social media and Bandcamp at thvs.bandcamp.com. This is Jeff reminding you, as always, to fight the good fight, reject the rudimentary, slay the simple, murder the mundane, kill the boring, and by God, keep your ears ringing.
Mm-hmm. <laughs>